In March 2014, a crowd of reporters gathered in front of an unassuming house in Temple City, California. A 64-year-old Japanese-American man stepped outside, shielding his face from the cameras. His name was Dorian Nakamoto, but a recent bombshell article in Newsweek magazine exposed his secret online persona, Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin. The reporters bombarded Dorian with questions. How and why did he create the digital currency? But the enigmatic programmer met them stone-faced, ignoring the Inquisition. Instead, he announced a proposal. The first person to offer him a free lunch would receive an exclusive interview. A correspondent from the Associated Press quickly accepted the challenge. He ushered Dorian into a nearby car and they drove off, leaving dozens of other reporters in the dust. But this lunch interview with the AP raised more questions than it gave answers. Because... Dorian claimed he had absolutely nothing to do with Bitcoin. They had the wrong Nakamoto. Debate raged about Dorian's shocking denial. Some believe the enigmatic programmer was lying and trying to keep himself out of the spotlight. But others suggested that the real creator of Bitcoin was still lurking online, just waiting to be discovered. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our second of two episodes on the digital cryptocurrency known as Bitcoin. In 2009, it sparked a global financial revolution. Since then, its value has risen from less than one cent to over $60,000 per coin. Last time, we explored the history of Bitcoin. We followed its elusive creator, Satoshi Nakamoto, a man who went to great lengths to hide his identity. In the early days, thousands of criminals and hackers flocked to Bitcoin because of the anonymity it provided. But now, even corporations and governments are buying into this new technology. In this episode, we'll investigate some of the conspiracy theories surrounding Bitcoin. We'll try to crack the true identity of Satoshi Nakamoto, and we'll explore why some people believe that the digital currency could replace government-backed currency. And we'll see whether there's any truth to the claim that Bitcoin is a harbinger of the biblical end of days. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. 
I know for me in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd started to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. In 2009, Satoshi Nakamoto released Bitcoin software to the public. He quickly gained a following of computer programmers who believed in the cryptocurrency. They wanted to build a platform for financial freedom, one that was unregulated by banks or governments. The online criminal underworld was early to adopt the technology. As a result, Many politicians and law enforcement agencies decried Bitcoin as the currency of money launderers, drug dealers, and murderers. But some critics believed Bitcoin was the currency of the Antichrist himself. This brings us to conspiracy theory number one, that Bitcoin is the mark of the beast referenced in the Bible's book of Revelation, and its popularity is a sign of the apocalypse. We talked a little about the mark of the beast in our episode on radio frequency identification. While RFID technology is involved in this theory too, we're going to focus on an idea that relates primarily to Bitcoin itself. In 2018, an online news site called The Christian Post offered evidence that cryptocurrency fulfilled a biblical prophecy from the book of Revelation one that described what happened when Satan and the Antichrist emerged on earth. In Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17, a prophet named John described one of the signs of Armageddon. John claimed that a great evil being emerges and, quote, causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save that had the mark." End quote. Religious scholars referred to this as the mark of the beast, and periodicals like the Christian Post and blogs like AI and the Antichrist believed it was a direct reference to Bitcoin. These publications claim that one day, all the people of Earth would be physically marked with the symbol of Bitcoin. Much like some people thought RFID tags would be the only way to participate in commerce, 
These people believe that Bitcoin would be the only way to buy or sell goods, just like the revelation states. Proponents of this theory believe that Bitcoin may have been developed by a secret society called the New World Order. This movement would merge all the nations into one powerful authoritarian government, and it would be led by the Antichrist. Under the New World Order, there would be no need for competing currencies like the dollar, yuan, or euro. According to these religious theorists, everyone would use Bitcoin. Currently, Bitcoin transactions are unregulated and anonymous until they're cashed out for dollars. But many of its critics believe that could change. The FBI has already developed tools that can trace cryptocurrency transactions between terrorist groups, which means that someday they could track all transactions. The Christian Post made note of this and suggested that the New World Order may be planning to assign each citizen to a specific Bitcoin wallet number. Since all Bitcoin activity is made public through ledgers, the New World government would be able to easily monitor everyone's finances just to maintain control. This would also give them the ability to identify criminals or dissidents and if the New World Order was fully in charge of everyone's finances, then these people could be easily shut out of the system or have their Bitcoin seized. While law enforcement can currently freeze bank accounts, people can still resort to paper currency to get by. But according to these theorists, when Bitcoin takes over, physical cash won't exist at all. And societal outcasts not using the cryptocurrency would be unable to buy or sell, just like the Book of Revelation predicted. But the most compelling evidence that Bitcoin is prophesied in the Book of Revelation lies in the mark of the beast, the biblical mark on the right hand or forehead. And according to the Bible, this mark is a string of letters or numbers, much like a Bitcoin wallet address. While it seems outlandish, people are receiving the mark of Bitcoin today. Some users are getting involved in biohacking, a trend which uses technology to enhance the human body. In the case of Bitcoin, some people are trying to make their wallets easier to use by injecting them under their skin. The process was first attempted in 2014 by a Dutch man named Martijn Vismeyer, an early adopter of cryptocurrency. He worked as a marketing manager for a Bitcoin ATM manufacturer at the time. His company's goal was to make Bitcoin as accessible as a regular bank account. But their machines weren't as common as regular ATMs, and cashing out Bitcoins to buy actual products, like, say, a cup of coffee, was complicated. So Vismeyer envisioned a world where you could buy a cup of coffee with just a wave of your hand. He programmed two small radio frequency identification chips, or RFID tags, with his Bitcoin wallet information. Each chip was the size of a grain of rice, which he paid a body piercer to inject into each hand. If you remember from our previous episodes, RFID chips contain data that can be accessed or changed via radio waves. And Vismeyer's technology utilized the tags to pay for goods, just as you would with a chipped credit card. They even connected to an app on his smartphone. 
This allowed him to transfer money in and out of these portable Bitcoin wallets whenever he needed. But the process did come with risks. The chips could dislodge and travel elsewhere in the body. Not to mention, bacteria could grow on the implant and cause infection. But Wismeyer didn't experience any side effects. His only fear was that he'd become the target of kidnappers. See, Wismeyer's RFID experiment made him pretty famous, earning him the nickname Mr. Bitcoin. More than anyone, he knew that if he were abducted and the implants were surgically removed, his kidnappers could easily make off with all of his Bitcoin. As a result, Wismeyer never stored more than a few dollars in the implant. But he claimed at least 50 other people at his Bitcoin ATM company had the procedure done. Since they live in anonymity, they're free to put as much Bitcoin in their wallets as they please. Despite the risks, Wismeyer claims that his augmentation has made his life much easier. He stated that as Bitcoin becomes mainstream, more people will have their Bitcoin wallets injected under their skin, which doesn't make it all that far from being the mark of the beast that the Book of Revelation foretold. I'm hesitant to agree, seeing that so much of this theory is conjecture. There's no proof that the New World Order exists, and even if it did, it seems unlikely they would choose something as volatile as Bitcoin for their currency. That's true. It would be far easier to track people using existing services, like social security numbers and normal bank accounts. It seems overly complicated and extremely risky for an authoritarian government to adopt a currency that was designed to avoid a central authority. On top of that, I'm not sure that Bitcoin implants are a convincing mark of the beast. In the Bible, this physical spot was implanted by a horned demon that rained fire from the sky, along with the numbers 666. That number isn't a long string like a Bitcoin wallet address. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most believable, I give this theory a 1. The number branding doesn't completely line up, but the biohacking trend does seem similar to the Mark of the Beast, but it's likely just a coincidence. That's why I'm also giving this theory a 1 out of 10. Bitcoin might not be the work of the Antichrist and the New World Order, but its creator is still shrouded in mystery. As of this recording, Satoshi Nakamoto's identity and his intention for Bitcoin are still unknown. Not that people haven't tried. Back in 2014, one reporter believed she'd located the enigmatic programmer, and their confrontation had every Bitcoin owner on the edge of their seat. Coming up, Satoshi Nakamoto is allegedly unmasked. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from Parcast. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. According to some Christian periodicals, Bitcoin is referenced in the Book of Revelation as the mark of the beast. But like other technology with tagging capabilities, the evidence is just too thin to validate. For now, we can rule out the Antichrist's influence. As for the mysterious creator of the currency, though, theories about his whereabouts persist. In 2014, a reporter named Leah McGrath Goodman hoped to expose Satoshi Nakamoto to the world. In an article in Newsweek, Goodman claimed that the software developer lived in Los Angeles County and that his real name actually was Satoshi Nakamoto. This brings us to conspiracy theory number two, that the man Goodman found was the real Satoshi Nakamoto. The mysterious programmer was hiding in plain sight all along. By 2014, the price of Bitcoin had skyrocketed from less than one cent to $1,000 per coin. Interest in the digital currency was surging. The search for its creator was on. From what the public knew, Satoshi Nakamoto claimed to be a computer programmer living in Japan. But many assumed this name was a pseudonym. And members of the Bitcoin community were perceptive. They noticed that his IP address appeared to be somewhere in California. However, an experienced computer engineer like Satoshi could easily spoof or fake their IP address, meaning Satoshi could have been anyone, anywhere. But Goodman thought the name was strangely specific. So she tried something no other reporter did. She assumed Satoshi wasn't using a pseudonym. The reporters searched through public records for everyone named Satoshi Nakamoto. At first, she found that most Satoshis were deceased or had no connection to computer programming or cryptocurrency at all. Although, one young Satoshi Nakamoto based in Japan declared on his LinkedIn profile that he'd created the currency. It ended up being a false lead, granted that Goodman found this Satoshi didn't have the skills or evidence to support his claim. Next, she turned her attention to a database of naturalized U.S. citizens. Perhaps Satoshi wasn't spoofing his IP address, and he was in America. And when she looked through those records, Goodman finally found her first solid lead. A Japanese man named Satoshi Nakamoto immigrated to California in 1959. However, in 1973, he changed his name to Dorian Nakamoto. As Goodman researched Dorian's life, his story grew stranger. Much of his past was undocumented or classified. A gifted engineer who'd graduated from California State Polytechnic University Pomona around 1972, Dorian went on to work for aerospace and defense company Hughes Aircraft. There, he was involved with several classified military contracts. So he certainly had the background to develop an encrypted digital currency. But Dorian was a complicated persona. He apparently spent the last few years in seclusion, rarely speaking to anyone. Interestingly, he spent most of his time working on model trains. 
So Goodman posed as a fellow hobbyist and emailed him. Things were cordial for a few days as he responded eagerly to her questions regarding trains. But when she asked about his past and profession, he became cagey. Dorian demanded to know who Goodman was, and for whatever reason, she admitted that she was investigating a story about Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of Bitcoin. That's when Dorian stopped responding to her emails entirely. All channels to reach Dorian died out after that. Not only wouldn't he respond, but his children and wife were estranged and unwilling to help when Goodman reached out. It was only once she found Dorian's brother, Arthur Nakamoto, that the story had a lead once more. Though Arthur was also a talented engineer, he and Dorian didn't speak often. What Arthur did tell Goodman, though, was that his brother was a brilliant man who could do anything on a computer. Arthur hinted that Dorian was a rare enigma, citing his classified work and large employment gaps. He told Goodman, quote, you're not going to be able to get to him. He'll deny everything. He'll never admit to starting Bitcoin. While this statement didn't confirm that Dorian was the real Satoshi Nakamoto, it inspired Goodman to keep digging. She reached out to other programmers who'd worked with Satoshi on the Bitcoin software. Goodman's next most valuable resource was a man named Gavin Andreessen. He was one of the primary engineers who developed Bitcoin with Satoshi in 2009. Andreessen spoke to Satoshi's secretive behavior, saying that not only was he defensive, evasive, and difficult, he only ever communicated over email or private message. In fact, Andreessen never spoke to Satoshi on the phone, nor did they ever meet in person. All his boss seemed to care about was Bitcoin. In some ways, Satoshi's paranoia was justified. In the early days of Bitcoin, the legality of the currency was unclear. And once it became a sensation, he knew he'd become the face of it. As the United States government tried to regulate the cryptocurrency, it was almost certain that its creator might be called to testify before a congressional committee. On top of that, Satoshi would undoubtedly have a massive amount of the currency. Some analysts estimate that in the beginning, he would have mined about 1 million bitcoins for himself. Today, that sum would be worth over $50 billion. Meaning he'd be one of the 25 richest people on the planet, which would pose yet more challenges. For someone as secretive as Satoshi, becoming a household name like Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, or Warren Buffett could have been a nightmare. He and his family might become a target for criminals. Those people tempted to steal some of those billions in the virtually untraceable currency. After Gavin Andreessen gave Goodman the emails he'd exchanged with Satoshi in 2009, she compared them to her own messages with Dorian. And she discovered that their writing styles were very similar, down to the smallest idiosyncrasies. Both men used double spaces after periods and alternated between British and American spellings of certain words. Their use of upper and lowercase wasn't consistent, and they made similar formatting and punctuation errors. After comparing their correspondence, Goodman analyzed the lives of both men and found the timelines also matched. In 2001, Dorian left his job at Hughes. 
His family claimed that he spent most of the next decade locked away in his office, never discussing his work. This was around the same time that Satoshi told Andreessen he'd started developing Bitcoin. Additionally, Satoshi stopped posting on social media or responding to emails around 2011. Similarly, this seems to align with when Dorian was diagnosed with cancer and suffered from a stroke, meaning it seemed possible that Satoshi withdrew from the digital world because of declining health. Goodman felt she'd gathered enough evidence to interview Dorian directly. Since he refused to answer her emails or calls, she decided the only way was to confront him in person. So she drove to his humble home in Temple City, California, and knocked on his front door. Dorian immediately called the police. But even with two officers looking on, Goodman still hounded Dorian about Bitcoin. She wanted to know why he created it, and more importantly, why he abandoned it. Dorian's response was, quote, It's been turned over to other people. They are in charge of it now. I no longer have any connection. Goodman felt she had her answer. Dorian had seemingly acknowledged his role in Bitcoin. So on March 6, 2014, Newsweek published Goodman's article, Unmasking Satoshi Nakamoto to the World. Within days, reporters surrounded Dorian's home, asking him to comment on the story. Reluctantly, he consented to give an exclusive interview to the first person who'd buy him lunch. But during that lunch with AP News correspondent Ryan Nakashima, Dorian repeatedly denied his role in Bitcoin. He said he'd never been involved in any cryptocurrency venture. Goodman's story was wrong. In the following weeks, Dorian hired a lawyer to refute Goodman's claims. They issued a statement saying that Newsweek's false report had caused him and his family great distress. He wanted to be left alone. Even stranger, once Goodman's article was published, the dormant account of Satoshi Nakamoto resurfaced. Satoshi posted on an internet message board claiming, quote, I am not Dorian Nakamoto. Seeing how oddly things played out after the article, it's possible that Goodman was right. If Dorian was Satoshi and he'd been exposed, he'd be desperate to preserve his anonymity, even if that meant reactivating his old Satoshi accounts to back up his claims. If the public knew his true identity, governments all over the world would hold him accountable for Bitcoin. However, some internet sleuths disagreed with Goodman's conclusions. They even launched their own investigation and identified the person they thought was the real Satoshi, someone very different. They claimed he was a Hungarian-American programmer named Nick Zabo, who'd been active in the cryptocurrency community for decades. A self-proclaimed expert in blockchain technology, Zabo proposed an early digital currency called BitGold in 1998. As you may recall from the last episode, revolutionary as it was, BitGold had significant problems. The software was never fully released. Yet many believed BitGold laid the foundation for Bitcoin. It was also a decentralized currency with no central authority, and it was a response to the reckless actions of central banks. 
Oddly, it was noticeable that Satoshi almost never referenced Bitgold or Zabo in his blog posts. Seeing that Satoshi often referenced other cryptocurrency developers and credited them as Bitcoin's inspiration, it appeared as if he was specifically avoiding talking about Zabo. If Zabo really was Satoshi, maybe he wanted to make sure there was no connection between them. If he acknowledged the two cryptocurrencies were similar, people may start making assumptions and eventually deduce that they were written by the same person. The similarities between Satoshi and Zabo ran deeper too. Aside from their shared negative views of government intervention and central banks, they both referenced the work of Austrian economist Karl Menger in their posts and emails. Zabo was very active online before 2009. But after the launch of Bitcoin, he reportedly stopped posting as frequently. It's possible that the majority of his time was spent working on Bitcoin and posting as Satoshi Nakamoto. Like Dorian, Zabo repeatedly denied to reporters that he was Satoshi. Currently, there's no way to prove whether either man is the creator of Bitcoin. The only evidence may lie in Bitcoin itself. Cryptocurrency experts believe they've located the Bitcoin wallet belonging to Satoshi Nakamoto. It contains nearly a million Bitcoins mined in the first few months of 2009. And as we mentioned, the only person mining that much Bitcoin at the time was Satoshi himself. If those Bitcoins were ever converted into regular dollars, it would be easy for the authorities to trace it back to the original owner simply because Bitcoin still generally needs to be cashed out into someone's actual bank account before they can spend it. Which means that Satoshi's identity would most likely be permanently and definitively exposed if he sold his Bitcoin. So in this case, anonymity quite literally has its cost. On one hand, though her evidence is circumstantial, Leah Goodman's findings are very convincing. Dorian Nakamoto certainly matches the profile of the mysterious Satoshi Nakamoto. He had both the experience and the time to create Bitcoin. But both Dorian and the real Satoshi Nakamoto maintain they have nothing to do with it. If Dorian really was Satoshi, I think he would have cashed out his Bitcoin accounts. His identity has already been exposed to the world. The only reason those wallets remain untouched is to maintain the real Satoshi's anonymity. That's true, but we can't ignore the larger ideology behind cryptocurrency. It was always about creating a decentralized platform over turning a profit. It's possible Dorian owns that Bitcoin, but simply doesn't care about the money. Unless he's waiting for the price to go even higher. I find the evidence for Nick Zabo a little more convincing than Dorian. Knowing of his long career in cryptocurrency and how Satoshi went to such lengths to avoid referencing him, that strikes me as suspicious. I'm giving this theory a 3 out of 10. I believe Goodman unmasked the wrong Nakamoto. I think the real Satoshi is still out there. I'm not so sure. Dorian Nakamoto seems like he might be the creator of Bitcoin, though it is strange that if he wanted to remain secret, he'd use his real name. But essentially, he admitted it to Goodman and only rescinded his claims after he was met with a media firestorm. 
Even his own brother seems to believe he was involved, so I'll give this theory a 6 out of 10. Regardless of Satoshi Nakamoto's real identity, it's clear that Bitcoin has reached a point where it can't be controlled by one person. It's become a global force. In March of 2021, its price topped $60,000 per coin, the highest ever recorded. As the world increasingly buys into Bitcoin, the entire system becomes more powerful. And it's possible that one day it will become the foundation of international trade. Central banks could become obsolete. And soon, the entire world may be running on Bitcoin. Coming up, Bitcoin's potential to usurp the American dollar on the world stage. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Now back to the story. There's been a lot of speculation about Satoshi Nakamoto, but his true identity has never been confirmed. For years, his creation was used in the darkest corners of the internet but Satoshi and others believed it had the potential to rival government-backed currencies like the U.S. dollar. Most economists doubted the idea that Bitcoin would ever become more than a novelty. However, as more merchants and corporations begin accepting cryptocurrency, that sentiment is starting to change. Meaning there's a chance that Satoshi's dream could become a reality. Which brings us to our final conspiracy theory, that Bitcoin will replace the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. On December 8, 2020, the Financial Times published an article titled, Will Bitcoin End the Dollar's Reign? Cryptocurrency advocates had been writing similar articles for years, but this one was different. Unlike the usual authors that came from the cryptocurrency community, the writer was Ruchir Sharma, the chief global strategist of Morgan Stanley, one of the largest investment banks in the world. As the planet reacted to the COVID-19 crisis, many nations printed money to provide their citizens with economic stimulus. In the short term, this gave people a financial boost and helped stabilize the economy. But Sharma believed that the long-term effect of these actions undermined confidence in currencies and caused inflation, specifically of the U.S. dollar. The American dollar is the world's reserve currency, which means that most international trade deals are calculated in U.S. dollars. Even when the transaction is between two other countries, like, say, Thailand and Indonesia. And when other nations need a safe place to store cash, they buy U.S. Treasury bonds. If their economy hits a rough patch and the value of their currency falls, they can rely on the U.S. dollar to keep functioning. 
The idea of a global reserve currency dates back to the 1400s, when Portugal dominated world trade. Their currency was so valuable and so stable that it made sense to use it in most foreign transactions. In the years since, the Netherlands, France, and Britain have all held the title of global reserve currency. On average, the reserve currency changed hands every 94 years, depending on which nation was dominating the world economy. But in 2020, the U.S. dollar passed its 100th anniversary. Statistically, the world is overdue for a change. According to Sharma, the U.S. dollar has maintained its dominance because it had no rivals. While the euro may have been a consideration in recent decades, most international investors felt it was too unstable because it relied on the multinational European Union. So while Germany's economy was strong, for example, it was tied to others that weren't so reliable, like Greece. Satoshi wanted an alternative to sidestep these government-backed currencies altogether. He feared that if central banks continued to print additional money during hard times, it could lead to an eventual collapse of the global financial system. Which has historical precedent. Take Germany during the 1920s. After World War I ended, the German government had to reimburse France for the damage done to their citizens. The Allied nations decided that Germany owed France 132 billion gold marks. That would be a few hundred billion U.S. dollars today. In order to make their payments, Germany's central bank printed large amounts of extra currency, which sent the nation into an inflationary spiral. In 1921, one U.S. dollar was worth 90 German marks. But by the beginning of 1922, one dollar was worth 330 marks. Inflation continued to grow, plummeting their currency. Within 12 months, one U.S. dollar was worth 7,400 German marks. The effect on the populace was devastating. In November 1923, a single loaf of bread cost 80 billion marks. Yet it was worth less than one American dollar. Printing money cost more than the actual money itself. Inflation was rising so fast that when workers were paid in the morning, their money was worthless by lunchtime. The crisis was only resolved once Germany got a new currency commissioner. One of his first acts was reducing the amount of money that the government printed. The country was also able to negotiate a lower payment to France, ending the inflationary threat. But people like Satoshi and his companions look back to 1920s Germany as a lesson on the dangers of overprinting currency. This explains why Bitcoin was designed to be free from any central authority. No government can print more of it to pay off debts or finance a war. And Bitcoin mining ensures that the market is never flooded with additional cryptocurrency. If you remember from last episode, only 21 million Bitcoin can ever be mined. So in a world where there are fears of rapid inflation, Bitcoin is an enticing alternative. But inflation isn't the only thing the U.S. dollar is threatened by. We also have to consider its debt. At the time of this recording, America owes Japan alone over $1.2 trillion. In 2019, America's debt to other nations became more than 50% of the nation's economic output. Historically, when that happens, countries struggle to repay their obligations which can be a sign that economic turmoil is ahead. 
The dollar has remained the global reserve currency because people trust that the United States can and will repay its debts. But if they can't, then confidence in the nation's currency will plummet, as will its value. In March 2020, one Bitcoin was valued at $5,000. In March 2021, it was valued at $60,000. Seeing this, many merchants, like Tesla, for example, have shifted their models to start accepting payments in Bitcoin. Which means there is some future where people won't need the U.S. dollar to make economic transactions. Some theorists believe that Bitcoin could level the geopolitical playing field. If Bitcoin became the basis of international trade, then no nation would have more control over the world economy than any other. Everyone would essentially be playing by the same rules. But if Bitcoin became the global reserve currency, some analysts believe it could spell disaster. One of the primary reasons the U.S. dollar is used is because its value remains relatively stable compared to other currencies. The Federal Reserve uses monetary policy to make sure inflation is limited to about 2% a year. But that has not been the case with Bitcoin. Digital currency is prone to intense fluctuation. It tends to skyrocket to new highs and then crash to devastating lows. It's not the most stable currency to build the global economy on. Swings like this could cause havoc among nations' economies. Imagine if you picked up a gallon of milk and by the time you made it to checkout, its price had quadrupled. That's something that could happen if Bitcoin was the global reserve currency. More importantly, Bitcoin could only become the global reserve currency if all institutions agreed to use it. Central banks like the U.S. Federal Reserve control monetary policy. Essentially, they can dictate how much money is in circulation, which gives them a lot of power. If they purchased Bitcoin, it would undermine their very purpose. But if the general public decides to place their trust in Bitcoin instead of fiat currency, then they may have no choice. Several economists note that people have lost confidence in the dollar before. After the 2008 financial crisis, its value fell to record lows, and some believe that it would continue to fall. Luckily, the dollar recovered and hit new highs in the last few years. Though it's important to note that when the market crashed in 2008, Bitcoin didn't exist. Now that there's an alternative, it's possible that the dollar may not bounce back. As central banks continue to respond to economic crises by printing money, some people might be more inclined to place their faith in Bitcoin instead. This could protect them from inflation caused by central banks. But that raises another issue. Sometimes printing money and other fiscal measures are necessary during a crisis. While it may have long-term effects, it's important to help people in an emergency. For instance, during the COVID-19 pandemic, it was easy for the government to issue stimulus checks directly to the American people. But essentially, the Federal Reserve digitally created this money out of thin air. If Bitcoin was the reserve currency, the U.S. government would have had to buy the digital currency to back this massive government stimulus. Crisis scenarios notwithstanding, Bitcoin has surfaced as an enticing alternative to government-backed currency. It democratizes the financial playing field. 
In a world where governments continuously meddle in the economy, people might look for a more stable and secure alternative. And that's the exact problem Bitcoin was created to solve, which is why I give this theory a 7 out of 10. I think we can't totally rule it out. While Bitcoin does have potential, I don't think it will become the world's new currency. It's too young and unstable. I don't think government institutions will embrace it in any meaningful way. If anything, governments are reluctant to give up the power to control how much money is spent and created. So long as money is regulated by government institutions, there's no way Bitcoin is going to be accepted on a global scale. I have to give this theory a 3 out of 10. One thing is certain. Bitcoin's created a powerful new financial tool for people all over the world. It's come a long way from its origins as the preferred tender of criminal elements. Now, digital currency is rapidly being adapted by reputable organizations all over the world. And while its future is uncertain, Bitcoin has weathered a few crises before. Not to mention, it's opened the door for dozens of other cryptocurrencies. Since 2009, new digital dollars like Ethereum, Dogecoin, and Litecoin have launched and grown exponentially. Ethereum's value has soared from around $1.37 in 2015 to over $1,900 in 2021. Some analysts believe that one day it may even rival Bitcoin. The digital revolution has changed how we work, shop, and even communicate with one another. And now it's altering the concept of money itself. It's not impossible that we may look back and wonder how we ever lived without it. tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Evan McGahee, with writing assistance by Lori Gottlieb and Mackenzie Moore. Fact-checking by Anya Barely, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Mm-hmm.